Hope you all had a good time of giving thanks to God for all of his blessings. Many of you are aware that we've been in Philippians a good deal this year, and there's a section in Philippians chapter 2 that I just want to read very quickly. But the message will be taken from the first 18 verses of John chapter 1, where we will stand and read. But I want to just say that, you know, like climbing a mountain, if you climb up the south face of, let's say, Mount Hood, you see a lot about the mountain. But if you go up the north face through Camp Sherman, you see a kind of different mountain. And what I'm saying about this is that this passage and John 1 are kind of looking at the same reality, but from a different perspective. But it's the same reality. Let me just read these few verses that are very familiar to you by now from the second chapter of Philippians. It says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you are able, and if you so desire, please stand for the reading of God's word. We are in John chapter 1, verse 1. And you are aware, perhaps, that the other gospel writers like to say, uh, in the beginning of the gospel, John here is taking the gospel back further in time, into deeper past and he starts his gospel this way. So um, before we read there, let us pray. Father, we're standing in your presence to hear from you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of your written word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword that's alive and powerful. We ask you, Lord, to open up our understanding, that you would energize <clears throat> our will and our resolve to hear your voice and to do it, we ask for your help this day as we hear your these few verses read. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, verse 1, hear the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Yesterday, Harold and I were outside hanging up our Christmas lights. We got some from Costco, you know, they're red and green and all this stuff. And it's cold. But I like to put lights on our house at Christmas time. And as you look at this passage, these bare 18 verses, which theologians like to say is a prologue to the book of John, that the many themes that he is going to deal with in the 21 chapters of John, he introduces here. Just a little foretaste, like preview of coming attractions. This is the prologue of John. And the more that I study it, the more I, uh, I'm overcome with awe and, and trembling at this is such a masterpiece. There is so much here. The greatest danger that I face is trying to put more things into the, a sermon than a sermon can hold. So I'm trying to limit myself to just noticing some things that kind of orbit around this way he talks about light and the word and life. <clears throat> so I have three points. I know some of you like to know there's, there's some order to what I'm saying. He talks about this word and he says, you know, he's the word, uh, which is God is trying to express himself to us. He's trying to reveal to us who he's like. And, and so John picks that word, logos, and says, in the beginning was the word. <clears throat> and then he says, he was, he's God. Talks, so the first point is the identity of this 
person who remains unnamed until you get down to, what is it, verse uh, 17. He makes us guess. Or maybe this is a device, a literary device to say, I'm talking about someone, and you say, it sounds like, you know, we're supposed to raise our expectations, heightened expectations of what he's going to say. But he doesn't say it right off the bat, as you notice. So the first point is the identity of the word. Because a lot of the book of John, people come to Jesus, come to John the Baptist, say, who are you? Who are you? Anyway, are you this? Are you that? Are you something else? And John the Baptist says, no, no, no. He denies that he's uh, anybody special. He says, I'm the, for I'm the forerunner. But this part here, uh, point one, deals with almost uh, a hard question put into English. It is, when are you? And it kind of stretches your thing. In the beginning was the Word. He was in the beginning with God. It goes back as far as our minds can take us, I think. Second point is, just like it comes into a needy situation. The focus is on humanity, his own people, people. And he says, this light is coming into a very tragically needy world, characterized by the word darkness. And he kind of points that out, that it comes, shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. Again, the word can be taken either way. And then the third point that I want to get to, it's kind of like the most wonderful gift of all. You know, we're here because of Christmas. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. And what is wonderful in this third part of this, this um, prologue is this very wonderfulness of this gift that I'm not going to tell you all about it yet. I'm just saying you what the points are. Why? So I won't get lost myself. Listen, I'm, I'm a bit of a klutzy person here. And it kind of divides itself up the way you find it on the page in your Bible. And you can find that this is actually a wonderful enlightening thing to do this week is to say, okay, uh, Neil read to us the prologue and it introduces things like light and life and grace and truth and all this stuff. How are those threads woven through this 21 chapters? Does he pick up on these themes again? And, and indeed he does. And you say, why is he doing it this way? I don't know. But I like it. So here we go, all right? Is that okay? The first one, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It doesn't tell us at this point that he, it's a person, but you can guess at it. It doesn't tell us who the person is. It says, he was in the beginning with God. It tells these two things about him. That however far back you go, he's already there. So he is the eternal, almighty God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, all of creation depends on this person called the Word. And there's a great economy of words here. He said, if we're talking about ability, 
or power, then this person has sufficient cleverness, knowledge, and power, and creativity that all that you see, all that you see, as far out into the universe you want to go, he made the whole thing. But it doesn't stop there. In him, now we know it's a person, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now, in point of fact, all just in nature, you could stop any scientist around and said, if the sun went out, what would happen to life on this earth? We would freeze, number one. Nothing would grow, number two. All the water would turn into ice. This is deeper even than that. In him was this light, in, and it says, in him was life. Some, something about this person is responsible for every living thing on the planet. Every single little insect or microbe or anything came from him. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Man was created in God's image. Now, there's a foretaste here in the fifth verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You say, hmm, that's a curious expression. Why did he bring this into it? Because he's not talking simply here about physical light and physical darkness, is he? He's moving now, and we're going to get to that. That God is active. He is the source. He's the fountainhead <clears throat> of all life. And light, and we know from the, in the Bible, light is sort of a metaphor, not only is physical light, when you turn it on, it wins and the darkness loses, but in another dimension, light is always associated with God's goodness as well as God revealing us to us things that we would not otherwise know. Revelation is light, God enlightening us who are in the darkness. But it says the darkness has not overcome it. So we realize that there's something in this world, in the brokenness of humanity, that resists the light. Correct? It has not overcome it. So what's happening? He's moving into uh, the next point a little bit. But let's just read it. There was a man. I like the way this starts. There was a man. Surprise, surprise, sent from God, whose name was John. Notice that the Bible says three things about this individual. It's going to get to the fourth. He's a man, but he was sent from God. If you ask him, were you sent from God? He said, well, yeah, I think so. Hmm. It's on divine assignment. God sent this man to the people with a message. 
What, what are you doing here? I'm sent here from God. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He had a name, John. John. We know him as John the Baptist. But it goes on quickly to say he came to as a witness. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Now that terminology is sort of forensic. It's like courtroom language. He came to bear witness because he'd been told something from God, deliver this message. Yes, sir, I will. And he said, somebody's coming. Who's that somebody? He goes on to expound on that. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe, that all might believe through him, that all might believe through him. Now, we know, in fact, that all did not believe through him. We know that in a, in a couple of verses. But he came with his message. He's saying, I want you to believe in a another person coming after me who is greater than I am. He was in the world, oh, sorry, <clears throat> by belief through him. He was not the light. This is John the Baptist. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. I'm saying all these things to point out that a word that you hear a lot through these verses is the word light. So that we're not in the dark. We can be enlightened here a little bit, okay? Look at verse 9 in your Bible. I don't know what it says in your Bible, but it says in my Bible, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming was coming into the world. It was coming into the world. This, this particular verb in Greek says, you know, it not came, but it was coming. It's in the process of coming. This is kind of like Advent, you know, where this first candle here is just supposed to be, I was supposed to be talking about what happened before Jesus became a baby. And I'll tell you, it's kind of hard to not let some of the thoughts leak over into what the next person is going to say here. But anyway, whoops, what am I doing here? The true light. Now, I want to just say something here. The true light which enlightened everyone was coming into the world. In that simple statement, it implies the given is that humanity is greatly in need of enlightenment. Humanity is in profound darkness today. And God sent a messenger to say somebody is coming called the true light. Why is that word true or real, the authentic, the real deal in there? Why would he say the true light here? Is he just augmenting what he's saying, giving it more prominence? Or is it that there is a great many competing lights in this world? to attract people, to dazzle people, to get them off on the wrong track. But the true light, the true light, the real light, the actual light that enlightens people is there's only one of them. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world. This is now talking about someone who was in the world. Now we've moved from outside of time, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. And just pointing this out, because this is in here to say the situation in the world when Jesus showed up was not receptive. He was despised and rejected of men. He was hated continually, and he was actually mistreated. This light, this source of light, this life was killed by us sinners. All these people didn't receive him. There was no welcome, except in verse 12 it says, but, but, contrast, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, and that little phrase, who believed in his name, means something like this. They believed that he was exactly who he said he was. He said, I'm coming to tell you that I've been sent here from my heavenly father. I'm a man on assignment. I'm here to accomplish the greatest achievement in the history of the universe. And that is the salvation of mankind. That's who he is. It says, but to who believed in his name, they believed in his name. What's his name? Savior, Lord, Messiah, that means king. To them he gave the right to become, the right here means right or authority, to become children of God. You'd say, well, was that necessary? Yeah. Because unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Huh? So it wasn't necessary for people to become children of God. It says, to those that believe on his name, he gives the authority to become children of God. We're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Why is that piece in there? Humanity, when all of its arrogance and all of its cleverness can't do this. The will of the flesh, the will of man, none of this works. To be born again has to be an act of God. You can't give birth to yourself. We're stuck without this, right? They are born of God. God gives people the new birth. This is all foreshadowing where John is going here. I would say mankind is helpless. They say, no, no, no. We have intelligence. We have science. We have a great economy. We have a big army. We can do this. You know what? We can't. We've messed things up from right, left, and center for all of history. God is doing something that man cannot do because not only is mankind helpless, mankind is in active rebellion against God. Did you know that? The Bible teaches that. And this is a, this is a need, this is a condition. The Bible even says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It came as a light, but they love darkness. That's in John chapter 3, right? So, he goes on, and he says this wonderful word. 
They're not born of, <clears throat> not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of born of God. Hinge point. And, next verse, and the word. Back here, first verse, second verse. The word became flesh and tabernacled for a while among us. This is, we're so familiar, we kind of lose the fact that what this is saying is that God entered from outer space into the world as a human being so he could be God with us, with us. He tabernacled with us. Like in the Old Testament, you know, there was the uh, tabernacle. And the holy place and the holy of holies all this so God could be with his people. They wanted him there. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is almost so wonderful, I cannot even imagine how to say it, but it says, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the one only one of the Father, full. Full, helpful, full of grace and truth. This is saying that what could, man could not ever have done in all of the Old Testament, they cannot actually see the glory of God because the glory is somehow so powerful, kind of like some kind of radiation or something, that sinful man would be incinerated if they gazed upon God unfiltered. But when God laid aside all of this, he could be seen by human beings and they could see the glory of God because Jesus promised that. He told Martha, take the stone away from the tomb. Her brother was in there, had been dead for four days. His name was Lazarus. And she said, by this time, he stinks. Uh, better not open that thing up. He, he said to me, Martha, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you will see the glory of God. And Martha said, okay, take away the stone. Why did she say that? She wanted her brother back, right? Did she want anything else? Do you want to see the glory of God? You know, as I've been trying to work on this, I feel like a child working with this, and I'm not really up to this, but I thought, am I sort of iconoclastic? I'm trying to break down all of our traditions, and, you know, I'm not. I'm saying Christmas and food like Thanksgiving, and, well, you're looking for the perfect gift. You're looking for the best apple pie and, and the best ice cream and all this stuff. Right, right. Is that wrong? No. But all of this really is point to the ultimate gift. And don't be fooled. Don't spend all of your time and money trying to conjure something up on Christmas Day. It's just meant to be a pointer to the real deal. You see that? We have seen his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of 
of grace and truth. So how, what happened? We're on point three, the most wonderful part of this. It says here, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. This is referring to thir verse 30 of the same chapter where, you know, he was telling people, somebody is coming after me. There's somebody coming who's greater than, I'm not even qualified to untie the things on his sandals. I can't undo, he's great. He was before me. He's greater than me. And then in the story, Jesus comes. Do you notice that he comes? And what did John say? What's the first word? Behold. Means look and see. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Did he see a lamb? He did not see a lamb. Who did he see? He, see, he saw a very ordinary looking person. God had told him. And he says it in the 30s. Back here he says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him, and I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's bearing witness. That's John saying, I know what I saw. I know what I heard. This is the Son of God. Verse 16 is so rich. I know you think I'm cheating here, but this, this really is. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This is more accurately grace, so great that it, it, it replaces the previous grace. The word there is actually anti, A-N-T-I, like anti-clockwise, you know. And... Uh, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. That's a passive construction. The law was given through Moses. Who gave the law? God himself. Through Moses, right? The law was given through Moses. Every Jew would know that for sure. He wrote it with his own finger upon a mountain. Is that right? Grace. And truth came through Jesus Christ. Would you say that the culture that we live in is a little short on grace and kind of has a war with truth? It doesn't believe in truth. You say something, they say, oh, my goodness, that was so 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Delete that. My Bible says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
And then he ends this high point. No one has ever seen God. And everybody goes, "Uh uh-huh. Now, why is this important? No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, it says here, actually is the way it is, literally, who lies in the bosom of the Father, has explained him, has exegeted him, has narrated him. Why is this so great? Because this marvelous gift came to earth. He didn't just send a present. He came in person. He said, I'm here, and the Father loves you because I know about lying in the bosom of the Father. Can you imagine a child sitting on the Father's lap, loved, protected, nurtured, cared about? This is so wonderful. What is, why this prologue is so great? This leads to eternal life. That God actually desires our friendship. He has made a way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Is this fantastic or is this great? I'm all there. I'm in right here. We can know God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 says, Long ago and many times in different, many different ways, God spoke unto our forefathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken unto us in his Son, who is the appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. He's the exact representation of God. In these days, God is revealing himself to mankind, even though mankind uh, likes darkness better, even though mankind says, uh, we're not going to receive that. This loving God says, I want to love you. I want you to find your home in the bosom of the Father. Loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, your word is so rich, so sweet, so true, and you are so great that you should so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. Lord, and light up our lives. Help us to be excited about being lights in this world that we read is a twisted and perverted place, much in need of your light. Help us, Lord, to be excited about what you are doing and have done. In Jesus' name, amen.